As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, factoids. Ali Deer curates eggs. Dads, playoff draws, Brazil-Argentina and only the biggest weekend of the Premier League season so far with Man City-Liverpool and angry Everton against Manchester United and more. All that and other things too in this Totally Football Show. Thursday the 23rd of November. Boom. We're ready for a brand new Totally Football Show. And what a Totally Football Show. Let's see. We've got Duncan Alexander. Hello, James. Hi, Duncan. Tom Williams is with us. Hi, James. All right there. Also, Jay Harris. Hey, James. Been too long, Jay. Uh, I've been around. Yeah, you've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, you can subscribe to The Athletic now for just £1 a month for 12 months. That's £12, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. Yeah. Amortised, it's 12, yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. an insane bargain. It's a special Black Friday offer this week. Yep. Available slightly confusingly until Monday. Right, it's like a black weekend. Just well, black. it's a whole black week, but yeah. I Monday. mean, that whole, I mean, no one, in, no one had heard of Black Friday, had they, in, until about five years ago. And mm. now, it's, now it's everywhere. Now it's everywhere. It'll be every Friday soon, Duncan. That's the way things are going. Yeah. Speaking of things that people hadn't heard of, here's Tim Leffler. Hello, Tim, saying, I know you like to explain expressions on the show, and I like to listen to it. So explain to a Swede the saying, thick and fast, because here we are again approaching Xmas, Christmas, and games coming thick and fast are as absolute as Santa. Cheers, says Tim. Now, coming thick and fast is not, the origin is not as many people believe when Liz Truss took that private jet to get to <laughs> some appointment in Newcastle. It's actually, Tom, do you know this? I'm caught between padding out my answer while I quickly <laughs> Google it. Google it. I, I Googled but it already. To be honest, James, I it no, I Disappointing don't. amount of uh, information that, uh, on the internet. But uh, Is it? A someone who works with milkshakes. I don't no, know. No, it's no. not. Let's not go down that route. Uh, it's ba- it, it's a medieval thing. Is Jay, it? As you knew, 
It's yep. about yeah. Originally, it was thick and threefold. It was you know perhaps sheep coming through the pen, mm. but mm. it's basically just saying lots of them. You know, thick in terms of the breadth of uh, of, of of content heading your way. Oh, I and see. fast the um, the rapidity of the onslaught of whatever. I don't think I've explained that very well, but perhaps Tim, you know what. Well, that I works mean. quite well for Does Christmas. In oh yeah, I mean, that's why people use it every season. The the games come both like There's sheep out of a pen. I've always said that. I said you get <laughs> you get to Boxing Day and right. football turns into sheep. Uh, yeah, and the schedule is rammed as well. Ooh, yeah. Shame Derby aren't in the top flight anymore. But <laughs> they didn't. Ooh. Their points didn't come thick and fast in two thousand and seven eight, did they? <laughs> that's for sure. Thank you so much, Tim. Listener, if you've got something that you're not sure about that you think we might be confused by too, do let us uh, No, we've got loads to talk about today. There's Wales, Euros, Brazil, Argentina and stuff. But I say that we should start with the return of the Premier League because it's back and what an exciting lineup we've got for Match Day 13. Woo! Top two, Manchester City and Liverpool will be facing off in the early game Saturday at 12.30. Arsenal, in third place, will be visiting Brentford later on. Keeper confusion klaxon there. While the teams in fourth and fifth, Spurs and Aston Villa, will be also facing each other. That's Sunday at 2 o'clock. Elsewhere, Everton's fight back from that 10-point penalty begins Sunday, 4.30, against Manchester United, with, as we heard on Monday, quite the demonstration planned. The Saturday 3 o'clock games, meanwhile, are Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Forest Brighton, Burnley West Ham, Luton Palace, the October Revolution Classico, and Newcastle Chelsea. Plus, on Monday night, don't forget about Fulham Wolves. Mm. Guess we're going to start at the Etihad. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Nobody can say at the moment, but it's how can you put the game like this on Saturday 12.30? Honestly, the people who are making these decisions, they are just... They, have, they cannot feel football. It's just not possible. Jurgen Klopp, Duncan. Yeah, he doesn't like 12.30s, which is kind of understandable from his point of view because Liverpool have played in that slot every time there's been an international break this season, which is a bit unfair. But I do think this time slot is a little bit unfairly maligned because um had a look back through Premier League history and in like quite a lot of seasons, there's more goals in the early game than there is generally. And some absolutely classic games have come in this slot. Tottenham 4, Arsenal 5, that was uh, an early kickoff. Arsenal winning 5-3 at Chelsea, United winning 6-2 at Newcastle. Um, you know, th- we have had many big mm. games. Even the Sadio Mane quickest ever hat-trick game, mm. that was an early well, Saturday. Is that, game. is that because they're all jet-lagged, because they've just got back um, 24 hours before from the, the other side of the world? Look, if the action transpires, I don't care what the reason is. <laughs> I'll just take I mean, it. Even, even last weekend before the international break, Wolves-Spurs, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was a... Villa, Villa smashed Brighton six one. And yeah, I mean that was an early kick. I think what happens is wow. people remember the bad ones, and then right. the good ones they just in as time goes past they go. Oh, it's probably on a Sunday. It's always the way, isn't it? Mm. And how Klopp should count himself fortunate that he's he's not kicking off even earlier than that because there are some big games in Europe taking place on Friday night Friday this week. Night. PSG Monaco in France, Bayern Munich are playing Friday night as well. So. Mm. Could be worse. Yeah, it's hard to know how much later they could have played this fixture, given that Manchester City are in the Champions League. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's if anyone is out of order, it's the Manchester Police because um, it was originally going to be at half five. Okay, but does that um, make a lot of difference? Well, the, they they didn't want it at half five, so they. Mm. You know, why why did they not want it at half five? Maybe they got the Christmas party that evening or something. I don't know, but they, um, <laughs> in the only slot available because City are playing on Tuesday, and the Champions League was 
the early slot or three o'clock, put it at three o'clock in uh, yeah. like the olden yeah. days, but yeah. no. All right, well, it's 12.30, deal with it. City last time out had that 4-4 with Chelsea. Are we going to see something similar here, do you feel, Jay? Well, obviously, I think John Stones is still out injured. Um, and I think Mateo Kovacic is out injured as well. Um, so they're definitely going to have to find a way to, to get a little bit more control with, with Stones not available. Liverpool missing Andy Robertson still. So it's unfortunate that a few key players are, are going to be unavailable for both teams. But I can't imagine that Guardiola is going to allow a game to be that manic again. But then there have been some absolutely classics between Guardiola and Klopp. And Klopp's got the better head-to-head record between the two. I think he's he, won 11 games and Guardiola's won 10. So yeah, if anyone I mean, knows how to... Mm. He does, although Liverpool's clock. record at the Etihad has yeah. been pretty oh, poor. Yeah, Tell won, us how poor it was. Well, they haven't won there in the league under Klopp since Klopp's first season. Eight so. years ago. Mm. Eight years ago. Also, Man City's record at home. Is that good? Quite good. Yeah, they've won 4,086 consecutive games at home. They've uh, won their last 23 uh, home yeah. games in all competitions. A victory in this match against Liverpool would equal the English record of 24 which was set, as you know, listener, by Sunderland in the 1890s. <laughs> God, Sunderland losing another historic record. Yeah. They, were they used to have so team, many. I bet if you'd gone on Wikipedia in like 1955 and just yeah. gone down all the kind of the big records. Yeah. Sunderland. I think well, I see a flaw end with that to end. hypothesis. Not, <laughs> any, not anymore. <laughs> Ye olde Wikipedia. It was, it was written down in those days. You had to ask for it in certain pubs. In your Rothmans. <laughs> your Rothmans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's Man City's home record. Liverpool's away record, not so good. Their last two away matches, they drew at Luton and mm. lost at Toulouse. What chance do you give them at the Etihad? I'd probably give them a bigger chance at the Etihad than I would at Kenworth Road, in fact, because of, A, the way like Luton set up and you know, Liverpool's record recently against promoted teams is poor. And just this game is, is always... You know, I know last season Arsenal sort of butted their way into the title race, but it does feel like the the big two have re-coalesced at the top. And both teams have got flaws this season. I don't think either team's perfect. As Jay says, John Stones obviously played a massive role in this game a few years ago with that clearance off the line. What was it? Three millimetres from Liverpool essentially winning the league if they'd have won that game. So, yeah, I think the flaws in, in the teams at the moment will potentially make this an even better fixture. And City are kind of gettable in a way that they haven't always been under Guardiola. I mean, you know, we saw that very starkly in that game against Chelsea. And I think it's the logical consequence of the fact that Guardiola, since pretty much the beginning of last season, is deliberately making City a bit less possession obsessed Mm. and a bit more physically robust, you know, with the the four centre-backs across the pitch, which which he does so so frequently. Um, And it just means that they they don't quite smother their opponents in the same way. And I think Guardiola would have been horrified by how open that that Chelsea game was. And there have been other games this season. You know, City have lost a couple of games. I, I guess that coincided with Rodri being out. But there's you don't get the same sense that they are just going to completely monopolise possession from the get-go. And Liverpool's yeah. counter-attacking potential has always been something that has, has petrified Guardiola ever since he started working in England. And teams are getting particular joy down City's left. And I think Guardiola's a good player, but hasn't completely settled in yet. And if you look at the right-hand side of Liverpool, then, you know, mm. that's... It's long been there. I mean, they are That's actually certain. playing more on the... They're, they're controlling games from the left this season with, with Diaz and and the left-back, whoever it is. Chimikas probably slowing it down. But on the right, Salah's probably playing as Salah. well as ever. Four times they faced each other last season, these two teams. Who scored in every single fixture? Mo Salah. Boom. Wow. What do you think, Tom? I think it will be a very interesting game. 
Good. <laughs> I think I'm going to say high. Another another score draw. Perhaps not a four four. That would be statistically improbable. I would have never thought, been a six six in the top flight. So just saying. And yeah. we now know that twelve early game on Saturday is it's very often a golf rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, watching with interest will be the Gunners, who are going to be at the G Tech later on on Saturday. As will you, Jay. Uh, Brentford taking on Arsenal. It's 5.30 on Saturday. Let's hope there's no royal funerals yeah. earlier in the day this time. <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you know, fingers crossed yeah, always. Yeah. I'm never going to be allowed to forget <laughs> this, am I? <laughs> the thing, actually, no, I'm not even going to double down and try and explain Why? Myself. No, no, but... No, I understand how ridiculous it sounds. Is it cortege or cortege? What? The funeral procession. Cortege, I think. Cortege. The cortege and it, the timing thereof had shifted the Premier League fixtures the the last time that Brentford hosted Arsenal in the Premier League yep. with disastrous consequences for the bees. So basically, uh, <laughs> just running the risk of Arsenal fans coming for me again, but it's fine. Basically, Brentford v Arsenal was then a 12 o'clock kickoff. Right. Um, Premier League clubs were given guidance that they should not play music or they should keep kind of their oh. pre-match preparations muted mm. um, so it just meant the atmosphere was very flat right. and I'm just saying it was. No, no, <laughs> I'm not fair. saying it's the reason Brentford no, no, lost to fair. Arsenal but everybody likes to go into a ground where there's a good atmosphere and people yeah. are enjoying themselves and lively and it was the complete opposite alright this time around this time around I think Brentford are have had an okay season so far uh, definitely turned it around I think before the last international break after they lost to Man United I was beginning to get a little bit worried but then they had three wins in a row, beat Chelsea, and things are definitely looking up, although they, they lost to Liverpool just before the international break. I think what could be the undoing on Saturday is that Nathan Collins went off injured against the Netherlands for the Republic of Ireland. They're already missing Aaron Hickey and Rico Henry, who are their two first-choice left-backs. So they're going to have to have a little bit of a makeshift defence. Arsenal should have, I think, Martin Odegaard back from, from injury. I think Ben White should be back as well. So I think this is going to be a difficult task. But then Brentford do have a phenomenal record against big six teams, especially at home. So if anyone can find a way to kind of break down Arsenal, it is probably Thomas Frank's team. All right. In terms of team news, a lot of interest around the Arsenal keeper situation. Yes. David Rare, who they lifted from West London yep. in the summer. Not eligible to play here because he's actually technically on loan. Yes. So Premier League rules just basically mean that um, if you're on loan at a, mm. another Premier League club, then you can't play against your parent club. But Brentford and Arsenal basically had this agreement that Raya could play in the Carabao Cup, but Arteta played but Ramsdale he, instead. So. Right. Okay, so and Ramsdale will be playing this week. Right, I'm assuming so, yeah, yeah, unless they decide to give the third choice Maybe goalkeeper a Maybe they're wearing a disguise. Maybe so. <laughs> uh, Ramsdale will return. Will his smile, though, be back, I wonder? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess, yes, that's in reference to his comments during the international break yeah. about how... You know, abruptly losing his first team status was 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 weighing on him, which you can understand. Mm. And I think the issue that Arsenal have had this season so far is that although David Raya is a very good goalkeeper, he's not a million miles better than than Aaron Ramsdale. And so that the decision that Arteta took to sign him in the first place is kind of still under the spotlight. Yes, yes, yes. Getting players' parents onto podcasts, though, what do you feel about that? Is it something that should just be confined to? players as well could we not get say the parent or a cousin of a of a government oh well, i suppose in boris johnson case we often yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we're going to start bringing in parents of professionals to discuss their mm. their offspring's performance why restrict it to just football 
Maybe we could get your dad in to discuss your queen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, he only works about 15 minutes away. Right? So, yeah, I can get him. joining us now. <laughs> I can give him a call. Okay, more team news. Uh, Fabio Vieira, who scored a screamer in that 3 0 win he last did, season, yeah. is suspended for this one. But Gabriel Jesus might be back because he played the full 90 for Brazil on Tuesday night. We'll hear more about that game a little bit later on. Brazil's match with Argentina. He's missed the last five games for Arsenal and they have missed him. They have and they haven't because Enkete obviously scored a hat-trick against Sheffield United. I think Trossard scored two in three appearances. The only game where you could say they maybe needed him a little bit was against Newcastle United just to offer a little bit of variety mm. by rotating around with, with Martinelli. But definitely having him back is a, is a massive boost, just what he brings to the team. So I'm sure he probably will start this weekend. OK. Arsenal just a point behind Man City going into the weekend. So if it is a draw early on on Saturday, victory here would see them, Tom, see them move back into top slot, the top spot even. Spurs, who are not far back themselves, are hosting Aston Villa. That's not until Sunday at two o'clock. Spurs can be off back-to-back defeats with their depleted squad. Uh, have things improved there in, in terms of availability? Um, well, so Destiny Doggy uh, will be back after suspension. Mm. Christian Romero is still out, suspended. Yep. But I think as we saw against Wolves in that fixture before the international break, the loss of James Madison is going to have such an impact on the way that Spurs play because there are other areas of the team where there is a you know a possibility to, to rotate and use players with slightly different profiles, but there's no one in that Spurs squad who does what Madison does. And one of the things that really stood out in that game against Wolves was how isolated Son Heung-min looked as a consequence. I mean, he barely had a shot, um, having you know been such a, a, an important factor in their impressive form prior to that. So yeah, that's that's the big challenge for Ange Postecoglou is how to how to find you know new passing circuits in the absence of Madison that enable Son to retain his influence. At the same time. You look at the profile of, of Villa as, as a team who generally play on the front foot, very aggressive in their pressing. There will be space in behind. So it might not be the worst opponents for Spurs to have. But I think watching that Wolves game and in particular the, the nature of the defeat that Spurs are sort of clinging on to what would have been a fairly scandalous victory only to let in two goals right at the death. And it was a real sort of sucker punch coming off the back of that, you know, that incredible home defeat against Chelsea a few days before. There you go. Another son who's lost his smile. Duncan will return <laughs> this weekend. I think Villa are really good. And I think this is a real sort of interesting fixture because I think... There's an outside chance that one of these two teams can come forth. So it is a bit of a showdown for that. I think this possibly in terms of Sun, Villa basically have got the most effective and best offside trap in Europe. And we put an article out in The Athletic today about basically since Emery took over, they've caught the opposition offside 163 times in the Premier League. The next highest is Liverpool at 93. So Villa play this, they're really good at it and they play a really high line. Although well, they, they can do it a little bit deeper as well, but essentially they take a lot of risks with, with opposition players. Now, if you're going to pick one player to take advantage of that, it's probably Son. He's very good at that, making those runs. But without Madison, he does lose that. You know, I mean, Harry Kane was the person that often put him through in that situation. But Madison kind of picked up that baton and now he's out. But I, I'm really interested in this game, so I think it could be a Premier League classic. Well, it could be the Premier League game with the two highest offensive lines that we've ever seen. Mm. 
if Spurs are going to defend it on the halfway like line, a, and it might be the, the entire game <laughs> might be well, squeezed to, into to, a gap of about five yards. To go back to the the death of the monarch, it could just look, look like a really long queue across the pitch, <laughs> right. or like the compactor in Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. Uh, interesting. Similarly dramatic, we think. That's Sunday, 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll be talking about other Premier League fixtures very, very shortly. Next up, though, let's round up some of that Euro qualifying news. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Well, luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Before you get back to this athletic podcast, did you know it's just one of many made by The Athletic every week? I'm Abby Patterson, senior producer here at The Athletic, and I get to work across so many of our shows. But even I have my favourites. Sometimes you're just too busy for a full-length podcast. I get it. We've all been there. Well, we've got a show to help you. Get up to speed with all the football stories you need to know about with our daily football briefing. It's done and dusted. Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. Got a bug for the women's game? Then full-time Europe is for you. It's our dedicated women's football podcast answering the questions you're asking from the WSL and Champions League. So what's going wrong at Arsenal? But perhaps you want to know exactly how a team has set itself up. Then come to the audio whiteboard and join Michael Cox and our analytics gurus as they dissect and examine the game like nobody else can. That's on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I don't think I've ever seen a striker who reads the game so well. Just search The Athletic wherever you're listening to this podcast now and you'll find your next podcast obsession in no time at all. Now, let's get back to your show. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Euro news, and still they come. Another four nations sealing their spot since our last show. We've got Croatia. They booked their place at the European Championships in Germany. Also, the holders, Italy. Slovenia, who beat Kazakhstan, putting them into the playoffs. And the Czech Republic, whose manager mark the occasion by resigning because of the pressure and stuff anyway ooh, Italy Monday night anyone watch this I did nil nil in <laughs> Leverkusen against uh, wait I mean I know Italy nil nil but it was actually quite an exciting game and they they, they played well I would say this is against Ukraine against Ukraine wasn't there a quite a contentious penalty <laughs> in uh... yeah now that you mention it Ukraine should have had a penalty <laughs> should they absolutely <laughs> you know thing Далі на Зубкова продовжує Зубков, у нього багато дотики уже до штрафного уб'яча. Зараз падіння, а чи не пенальті це? Чому ні? А можливо Мудрик, ну, зараз повтор, подивимося і пересвідчимося. Мудрик may have been playing for it, but Cristante definitely gets his foot and over he goes. 
Prior to that, I thought there was another moment, and I can't remember which Ukraine player it was that went through, that where the player had, had been tripped in a similar way, but had stayed on their feet to try and put the chance away. But Italy, I thought, in the first half were great, didn't take their chances, and then gradually Ukraine came back into it. And yeah, 93rd minute, I think they, they should have had a penalty. But there it is. They go into the playoffs as well. Well, Italy are uh, going to be in Germany, but they're going to be in pot four when the draw is made on the uh, 2nd of December. Pot four, the team that, I mean, I guess a lot of teams will want to avoid from there. Also in pot four will be Serbia, Switzerland, and these three playoff winners. Let's talk about the playoffs. Uh, ooh, the draw, for which is literally just starting right now, listener, not for you, I imagine. But for us it is. And that's of particular interest to Tom here because Wales are one of the 12 teams. Uh, 12 teams divided up into three paths. So the four teams in each path, you'll get one team from those four making it into pot four of the actual Euro draw. So Wales, uh, we're standing by to get information. Producer Charlie's got the screen up right now. No, no, no word yet. Tell us just while we're waiting about Wales against Turkey on Tuesday. You were there... Amazing atmosphere. Did you have a little transistor, Tom, to keep abreast of the other result that you you needed to have go your way? Well, we were sort of joking pre-match that someone should have brought a transistor radio, right. you know, just for the kind of old school vibes. Right. Um, and then got into the stadium and couldn't get any sort of internet connection. The, you know, networks were saturated. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time hurriedly trying to find someone whose phone was working. When Croatia scored just before half time, I think, how did the word pass around? Was there a kind of buzz that Mama. went like a Mexican wave? It was, a ripple wow. went through the crowd. And at that point, everything was going according to plan. Wales had scored uh, in the seventh minute, really nicely taken goal by Nico Williams, set up by Harry Wilson, cuts in from the left, curls one bottom right. And at that point, in the as things stand table, Wales were going through. Croatia were drawing nil-nil with Armenia. And Wales were playing pretty well. Good value for their lead. Could have had another. Probably should have had a penalty. And then two minutes before half-time, word comes through. Sorry, that's not emotion. That was just me. It's fine if it's emotion. Come on, Tom. And then two minutes before half-time, word comes through that that Croatia have taken the lead. And then you kind of felt, oh, that's probably that. And then... Yeah, Turkey got on top, got, a, again, a pretty soft penalty to make it 1-1, and that was that. Was that. So, yeah, thankfully we have the we have the um, the backup option of a, a playoff place. I mean, you, you're very dignified about it, Tom, but that was a shocking penalty decision, particularly given the ones that weren't given to Wales. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're watching the stadium as opposed to watching on TV, you're never entirely sure. I mean, the, the penalty that Brennan Johnson didn't get, I felt was like a cast iron penalty because the guy basically just sort of squashes him from behind not given and then the penalty that Turkey were given for Ben Davis sort of very gently nudging the Turkish attacker as he ran into the penalty area again looked soft but you think oh well maybe I've maybe we've all missed something here right but we In had, the end, we it had didn't missed matter, nothing yeah um, and nor did Yusuf Yazici who mm. tucked away the penalty <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> uh, it didn't matter though because as, as we've said Croatia had beaten Armenia and that meant that Wales could do nothing but go into the playoffs you can play the Finland, Ukraine, or Iceland in the semi. Yeah, who so the, would you choose? Well, not Ukraine, basically. Okay, who will be in charge for those games? I mean, it'll be Rob Page. Will it still be Rob I Page? I think so, yeah. I mean, Noel Mooney, the chief executive of, of the Welsh FA, put a little bit of pressure on him earlier in the campaign, and, and there was a fairly robust backlash against that from some of the players who said, you know, we all need to be... Um, on the same page. On the same page. Thanks very much, Duncan. <laughs> 
Um, so I'd be very surprised if they if they bend him off between now and the playoffs. Um, but in of March. course, and in March, of course, if yeah, if, if Wales were, were to fail to qualify, I think that would probably be the end of the Rob Page era. But yeah, so it's time for a new chapter. So yeah, so Wales guaranteed to be at home in the uh-huh. semi-final, which is big advantage, okay. uh, and it'll be either Ukraine, Finland, or Iceland, yeah, and then more on that. The winners playing Poland or Estonia, uh, as we hear it. Well, let's move on and come back to who Wales are going to be facing. Uh, Ralph Rannick's Austria beat Germany 2-0. After Austria had actually taken the lead, Germany went down to 10 men. So Quite a remarkable red card. Mm. And it's Leroy Sane who was sent off for an altercation with Philippe Mwene. And basically, Mwene has the ball, runs away from Sane. Sane Clips trips him. him. Yeah. And then as Mwene falls down, Sane like, kicks him up the bum. Mm. Like a very precisely aimed kick, like between the buttocks. <laughs> and then when he reacts angrily, yep. and Sane goes for a lesser spotted double hand face shove mm. um, and is, you know, rightly, rightly dismissed. Yep. But I'd, I'd, I'd love to know, you know, what the, is, is there, is there beef? Was it just a... I don't know. I don't red know. Red Mr. Sending? But that's certainly quite nice the Nice to see some, some variation in, you know, red card violence. Yeah. You don't see many pushes at that anymore. They, a know, double-handed, it felt like a kind of a, a bit of a street fighter sort mm. of mm. vibes. Germany will be at Germany because, you know, it's them uh, next summer. But the run that they're on is quite worrying. They've only, this calendar year, won three of their 11 matches. And I think since Julian Nagelsmann mm. uh, took over, they've only won one of and four. They're now playing uh, Kai Havertz at left wing back as, yeah. as well. Mm. I mean... It is difficult, I think, for host nations. I remember England before Euro '96 had a terrible run of dreary games because it's they're just a series of friendlies and it's not much. There's nothing riding on them, so it, that is quite difficult. But yeah, they are they're definitely in a slump. Okay. Other news from the international break: uh, Spain, their three-one victory for Georgia came at a cost. Gavi doing his crochet ligaments; he's out uh, almost certainly for the rest of the season and very possibly the European Championships as well. This came when he. Twisted in an attempt to control the ball midway through the first half. He is one of the busiest players in La Liga. He played the full 90 minutes for Spain against Cyprus in midweek. But while others have been rested for this game, he was started anyway. The plan being to take him off during the game. But instead, boom, he's out, which is a huge blow for Spain and Barcelona, of course. Elsewhere, England had a one more draw with North Macedonia. Did you watch it, listener? If so, do let us know what happened. We've seen the highlights. <laughs> none of, I'm shocked to, dis, to, to realise that none of us here actually watched the well, game. I watched the first half. By accident. Was it on yeah. Monday, Monday night? It was on Tuesday, wasn't it? Monday. No, it was on oh, Monday. It was on Monday. Oh, oh, okay, right. well, I took my mum out for birthday dinner, so oh, at least, at so least I've got an excuse. Place. All right, where yeah. did you go? Mean, uh, I took her to Sticks and Sushi. Oh, did you? Nice, yeah. yeah. Because you get your mum on and hear her thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't take my mum out for dinner on Monday. But what was your excuse, Duncan? Come on. Uh... I don't know actually. I just hates international football secretly. Well, and not, yeah, and not, secretly. And not, and not, and <laughs> not so secretly. secretly. I mean, there was no jeopardy. I just need jeopardy. Right. And you know. Okay. Well, although England did go a goal down. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But came back. But came back. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, Stephen Kenny has been released by the Republic of Ireland. Who's in the frame to replace him? Well, I've seen that Chris Hutton's been been linked with that role um, because obviously he was a former Republic of Ireland international. 
But um, Chris Hewton's currently in charge of Ghana, and Ghana are, um, I don't want to say in free fall, obviously historically one of the biggest African nations in terms of their footballing pedigree, um, but their results on them have been absolutely horrible. So they lost 4-0 to the US in October, 2-0 to Mexico. They beat Madagascar 1-0 last week, and Naki Williams scored in the 95th minute, so it was really a, a get-out-of-jail card. And then they lost to the tiny island of, of Comoros. So AFCON's coming up in six, seven weeks. <laughs> and uh, and um, yeah. Just, he, he, <laughs> just prefacing Comoros, with the, it's like one of those things. You've got, you know, like Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City, the tiny island of Comoros. Yeah, you have to. Um, but yeah, so Chris Hewton's pedigree is not exactly at its, its highest at the moment because I think there's a lot of talks that Maybe his selection wasn't perfect. Um, he dropped kudos for the game against the Comoros and then had to kind of bring him up and rescue him off the bench. Um, but yes, I'm surprised if he kind of left Ghana and went for that job. I see. I see. All right. Uh, the other big news that happened midweek was the Brazil-Argentina game in uh, Combibol qualifying for the 2026 World Cup. Fighting in the stands before the match, which was... As a result, delayed by about half an hour. And then on the field, a 1-0 defeat for Brazil, which is the first time they've ever lost at home in a World Cup qualifier, ever. That's mad. That is mm. a ridiculous stat. In these World Cup qualifiers, it's their third straight loss, which means, improbably, that they are currently in the last automatic qualifying spot, currently in the combi ball table, down in sixth place. What's going on? What's the reaction been in Brazil? And who's going to be in charge when qualifying resumes, which is not until uh, next September? Let's find out with Jack Lang. Jack, first ever defeat at home and to Argentina of all people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long record. It's 65 games they were unbeaten in home qualifiers, so probably not as many as some people would expect because the qualifying used to be a bit different. They didn't often play Argentina, but still pretty historic stuff. Um, second time Argentina have done Brazil in their backyard you know, after the, the Copa America final. And yeah, I mean, obviously added indignity due to what happened before the match, but there was enough happening on the pitch to kind of send ripples of discontent around Brazil as well. It's three straight defeats in qualifying. What's going on with the team? Well, it's a team thing and it's also a structural thing. So with the team, obviously they're missing a lot of players. Neymar has been a massive miss. No Vinicius Jr., no Casemiro, no Eder Militão. So like four of the probable best 11 aren't playing so that's a kind of mitigating factor but they just don't look like they're really offering much in attack especially which is odd for Brazil they're actually defensively okay against Argentina but they've only scored three times in the last five matches under Diniz two of those headers from corners and there's kind of a lack of a focal point at the moment so playing with you know four basically four young nippy uh, attackers across the front isn't really working very well. The midfield, I mean, Bruno Guimarães, I'm a big, big fan of his, but he's not playing very well for Brazil at the moment, to be honest. They're lacking a little bit of spark. And yeah, but structurally, I think that's the, the main issue. They've, they've appointed a coach 
in Fernando Geniz, who is a he's a long term project guy. He's someone whose ideas notoriously take a long time to take root. People have spoken about this throughout his career. Uh, this this won't have been a surprise to the Brazilian Federation, and yet they've appointed him for a job that was even in the best case scenario, only going to last a year uh, because they're still waiting on Carlo Ancelotti. And uh, I mean, more than anything, I think, is the fact that he and Ancelotti have very little in common uh, from a tactical perspective, even from a personal uh, standpoint as well. So even if things had gone as well as they could have, it would still have been a bit weird because they're going to have to restart again next year anyway. And Janice doesn't even have another competitive game now if if things go as they expect because Brazil don't play another qualifier until September. Ancelotti is meant to be coming in before the Copa America. So now, I mean, I wrote about this yesterday, I kind of feel sorry for Janice who's meant to be enjoying the best season of his career at club level, one of the Libertadores, and yet he's kind of slowly failing at a job that isn't even his. Remarkable. There was a bit of a backlash to the idea that Ancelotti would be taking over with uh, everybody from the president downwards uh, expressing their discontent. Have these results changed that at all? I mean, I guess with every bad result, there's going to be a touch more hope that someone like Ancelotti could resolve it a bit. There's definitely excitement in Brazil about Ancelotti. Um, I think he's seen as someone whose skill set could could work in international football. The Real Madrid's Brazilian core certainly seem really animated by the idea of him arriving. And so I think the kind of natural pushback against having a foreign coach in Brazil, that's faded a little bit. But it's been replaced by, I suppose, yeah, just a bit of confusion and and disquiet about how Brazil have, have wasted, you know, it's now a year since since the World Cup, more or less. They've known that Chichi was going to leave for even longer than that. It was pretty clear that that was going to be the end of his cycle. And yet their kind of infatuation with Ancelotti means that they've delayed and delayed. It took them ages to even appoint Geniz as a, a temporary manager. They had the, the under-20 coach managing the first three games of the season. So by the time Ancelotti does arrive, supposedly, in, in July, that will be 18 months of pretty much wasted run-up to the next World Cup, which is how they have to look at it, I think. I mean, obviously, if Angelotti doesn't end up coming and there's still, Penn hasn't been put to paper, so there is a minor question mark about that. I mean, if he, if he doesn't come, it's going to be an absolute scandal in Brazil. But even, you know, even assuming things go well, it's hard to think of another major nation that would wait 18 months for any manager, I think. And it would take quite a, a lot of success for Angelotti to, to make it worthwhile. All right. Jack, thank you so much for that. Uh, magnificent. Look forward to seeing you here in the studio soon. Right now we've got important playoff news from Tom Williams and Wales. Thank you, Jack. Pleasure. See you soon. Tom, I feel your attention wandered a little bit while we were hearing about Caroline Chelsea because you just had the word on the draw. Yes. Well, good news uh, in the sense that Wales have avoided Ukraine. Wales have been drawn to play Finland, oh, Finland. in their okay. playoff semi-final, and the mm. winners of that... Uh, will play either Poland or Estonia. Okay. Of those four, I think Poland will probably be the favourites, but I think Wales will probably back themselves to beat Finland, particularly at home. So you've got Finland, and if you get past them, you either have Poland or, or Estonia. Estonia. And Can, the draw as yep. to where the final will be taking place yep. is imminent. Okay, good. Well, the other two paths, just give us the quartets of teams in there. So path B... 
Bosnia and Herzegovina against Ukraine and Israel against Iceland. Okay. And then path C, mm. and these were already confirmed, I think, Georgia against Luxembourg and Greece against Kazakhstan. So one of those four teams, three of whom have never been to the Euros before, will be attending this... In Greece, this it would be the 20th anniversary of the when they won it. Just saying. All right. Woo! Can't wait for March. Uh, right, that's enough international football, because there's the rest of the Premier League weekend to preview. Why are so many big stars missing from the Women's Champions League? Do we really need VAR in the women's game? Have Arsenal got too many players? Hello, I'm Sophie Penny, and I'm the host of the all-new Full-Time Europe, the Athletics Women's Football Podcast. If you're a big women's football fan or a passing purveyor of the game, Full-Time Europe is answering the questions you're asking. From Man United to Lyon, Barcelona to Wolfsburg, we have you covered. That's full-time Europe, out every week, available wherever you're listening now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. All right. Oh, what's this? Just a little bit of extra um, Euro 2024 news. playoff news. Right. So not only uh, will Wales play at home against Finland yes. uh, in the semi-finals, but if they win, they will also be at home for the final, which is exactly what happened for the World Cup qualifying playoffs last year when Wales beat Austria and then Ukraine qualify. I, I haven't seen Tom get this animated about the draw since he hung out with Goldie Looking Chain that time. There we go. Welsh joke. Tick. Nicely done. Yeah. That is good news. I mean, people will cry fix and sure. I mean, I'm him. saying fix. Let him. But I must admit, Wales, Austria in particular mm. last spring was one of the, the best experiences of my oh, yeah. match going life. Um, and then we beat Ukraine in the final, which felt less enjoyable because of, you know, sort of Sympathies. Sympathy for Ukraine. But yes, so hopefully two more famous Cardiff Knights to look forward to. Right. Okay, Tom. For now, uh, on we go. 
Uh, and today it is 23rd of November. Happy Alidea Day to those who celebrate. Mm. Uh, on this day, 27 years ago, an imposter tricked a Premier League manager into believing he was a professional player and made it onto the field in a league match. Insert your modern banter counterpart here. <laughs> there you go, listener. Almost scored as well. Char- yeah. Charlie helpfully centres the footage. Did he and he had a shot. He did. Well, did he, he has did a he shot. Did. Yeah, he had, you know. He has a shot, yeah. I often anyway. wonder, and this is a sort of a classic kind of like, you know, pub chat, but how long do you think, if you were brought on, say... For the dying stages of a comfortable victory in the Premier right. League, say for Man City, oh, and we've got a substitution here, Duncan Alexander's coming on, right. and all you've got to do yeah. is help Man City knock the ball around for but like two or three minutes. Point, oh, yeah, lots of shouting, bit of applause, yeah. whatever. Do you think you could, do you no. think you would, would you back yourself to evade detection as a, as a hashtag not fraud? If, not if passing or shooting was involved, but I think what I would do is give away the ball and then two foot someone and kiss the back. <laughs> And then you'd immediately yeah, be in the yeah, yeah, upper yeah. echelons of fans. Cult hero. Right. Okay, yeah. so that ties in a little bit with this kind of infamous Brazilian air quotes player called Carlos Kaiser, who um, a very fascinating film was made about, who essentially built a career. Although there is a major twist in his story as well, but the, the premise of the story is that he built a career on being a professional footballer who was going to do amazing things for your team, but always oh, just getting injured just before he was going to come <laughs> on the... Or one time when he absolutely couldn't avoid coming on the field, he picked a fight with somebody in the stands and got sent off by the referee and, yeah, Kaiser. Yeah, all I was going to say is that, you know, I play Sunday League and I had a friend come down a couple of weeks ago and filmed it and I was sickened by how slow it actually looks like. I was like, you know, when you're on the pitch, everything's going so quickly. So if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd say, oh, definitely back myself to pop off a pass or something like that. Now I'd say I'd get shown up. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. What, what I do find slightly strange about the, the Premier League manager involved in this story, it was Southampton in 1996, was Graham Souness, who in his later years as a pundit mm. was one of the most pitiless and acerbic of uh, judges of footballing talent. And yet he had Ali Dia on the training ground at Southampton for a week. Presumably because he hadn't dyed his hair blue or something, Graham's suspicions were never, <laughs> never aroused. But well, I think it was because he'd had this recommendation supposedly right. from George Weyer, and I guess in Graham Souness's eyes, George Weyer is a proper football man, and if right. a proper football man tells you something, you just believe it. Sorry, you're absolutely right. The backstory being that Ali Deer had rung up Graham or got someone to ring up Graham, pretending to be George Weyer, Ballon d'Or winner and say, my cousin's a bit handy. <laughs> Ali Dia then apparently told Graham himself, oh yeah, I played for Senegal. I just scored two goals from them the other day. And this being 96 before Tom's Wikipedia was invented. <laughs> I mean, it was the very early days of the internet, so yeah. you could have found it out maybe, but it would have taken about 20 minutes to get the old dial-up going. So, And I'm not sure Sunes was an early adopter of Perhaps AOL. Not. don't know. Perhaps not. Different times, listener. Different times. Now, back to the Premier League. Woo! This Sunday, the 4.30 match should be an absolute cracker. It's Everton against Man United. We had Matt Jones from the Blue Room podcast in, uh, on Monday to tell us about their reaction to the 10-point penalty and, and what the atmosphere is going to be like at Goodison Park. And it sounds like it's going to be a cauldron, Tom. They've raised over £40,000 to finance the various demonstrations, which may or may not include placards saying words like 
corrupt. It's going to be a bit like Countdown as they all hold up <laughs> letters. And a plane flies. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm. Well, joking, as in, there's uh, someone will come up with a figure and they'll say, "How'd you get to that?" <laughs> so. There'll be a plane trailing a banner, which I'm hearing. Mm. Might be happening not at that fixture, but at the Man City Liverpool game for extra exposure. Because twelve thirty kickoffs are better. So. Yeah, and, and it's daylight, unlike the fourth. Well, yeah, Sunday, they're better yeah. for daylight generally. Yeah, but I mean, Goodison Park is such an angry place anyway. Mm. Just uh, you know, in recent years, it's it is routinely the angriest sounding stadium. Um, so I mean, I mean, maybe I this whole process for the you know for for what Sunday's game is is going to sound like. And what was that story about how they're going to have to mute the microphones to try and. Mm. Oh, try and yeah. spare the uh, supposedly they were going to use AI as you do these days mm. or just Filter to take all the rude words old uh, crowd noises yeah fake crowd noise as we heard in, in the pandemic it's remarkable isn't it Matt on Monday was making the point that this really is a key game because a win here could see that emotion build it can also move them out of the bottom three already because they're only one point off for safety but equally a defeat could suddenly change they're them. Two points oh, they're safety. two points of safety. But a, a defeat could suddenly leave them very spooked. Five points then away from uh, the... I think I, th- I think the sort of the good news for Everton this season is that, you know, prior to this points deduction being announced, they were having pretty they good starts the season. They had ten more points. <laughs> but also, I think what really helps is that like, there are some quite weak teams in the league this season. Right. And they've lost 10 points. I wasn't going to go that far. Um, If there was any season where you would want a 10-point deduction. I mean, to have had 10 points knocked off and still be only two points from safety and, you know, decent recent form as well. Everton are good. Like, their numbers are good. They've they've Mm. got better XG differential than Spurs this season. So, I think they're possibly, they're definitely lower than they should be right now. But even where they were before the deduction, they're probably lower than they should have been. I think... And it's a good time to play Manchester United. I know United are on a, a mysterious run of form where well, they're bad United but good. Higher than they should be, do you think? They're in sixth right now. They're probably slightly higher. They've, they've won a lot of games by single goals, which, as we know, can can go either way. But I mean, it, I think this is two not dissimilar levels of of output teams. So that's a terrible sentence. We know what I mean. Um, so yeah, and with all the other stuff added in, I think it's going to be a classic Super Sunday. A barnstormer. Oh, right. United have lost three of their last five in all competitions. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland and Christian Eriksen, are they doubts? They pulled out of their games with Denmark uh, through injury, although that doesn't always equate to being unfit for the club fixture the following weekend. What do you think, Jay? Is your money on Everton? Well, United just have this weird ability at the moment to just kind of grind out wins in the Premier League, don't they? They've, they seem to have turned their form around in domestically even a tiny bit. But as Tom said, I've been to Everton, I think, two or three times since I started covering Brentford and it is the angstiest ground I've ever been to. So they never need an excuse to um, kind of whip up an atmosphere. I definitely think that could maybe swallow Man United alive, who haven't shown at times this season the best form right. under pressure. Pressure will certainly be on Man United because they've got that huge game coming up midweek uh, when they travel to Istanbul to take on Galatasaray lose that and they're <laughs> effectively out of the Champions Everton team. away and Galatasaray away when you're a slightly brittle team is that's a that's a week that is a week mm. okay also facing a big week uh, featuring a key Champions League match on Newcastle uh, they're taking on Chelsea Saturday at three o'clock that's how big a weekend this is Jay 
You've got Newcastle Chelsea and it's not even on the telly. Yeah, w- one, that is a shame. But two, we should probably mention that the um, Premier League clubs voted against mm. bringing in this uh, temporary ban on um, loan deals between associated parties on Tuesday, I think it was. So basically for a Premier League vote to go through, you need 14 teams to vote in favour. And I think it was 12, 8? 13, I think. Or, for, or thir- maybe 13, 7, I can't remember. There were basically two votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and one was 13, 7 and one was 12, 8. Okay. Um, but they're very similar, but they're just worded slightly differently. So forgive me for not having it off the top of my head. Um, but obviously, although Newcastle have suggested that it, that was never on the cards, part of the reason this whole ban was brought up was the suggestion that because Tonali's now banned until next year, that Newcastle were going to go and pinch Ruben Neves mm. um, from the Saudi Pro League. Who just so, happened to be, well, from the club Al-Hilal, who are owned who sh- by... The, exactly. Yeah. Do we know who voted for and against? Yeah, so for the teams that voted against, we th- we're pretty certain it's Chelsea, mm-hmm. um, Everton, right. Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Man City, Sheffield United, Wolves and Burnley. Um, okay. And I'm pretty certain most of those teams, maybe apart from Wolves and Burnley, have links to multi-club ownership. Okay. Some of the some of the clubs that do, like Brighton, for example, voting against it, though. Yeah, so Brighton are actually banned from doing any deals with Union saint Gilles in Belgium anyways. But I think, obviously, this was only a, a temporary ban, and then they were going to look at a longer solution further uh-huh. down the line. So I think some teams were probably thinking, let's bring in a temporary ban for January, and then we can discuss what the best right. solution is long-term. Because I think there's some people who don't like the idea, and I get this completely, of changing the rules in the middle of a season. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Ruben Neves is the player who supposedly Newcastle are targeting to replace Sandra Tonali. Neves, who went to Al-Hilal for £47 million last summer. Al-Hilal, who are owned by the Saudi PIF, who, as, as are a number of other clubs who have players like Jota, Riyad Mahrez, N'Golo Kante, Fabinho, Sadio Mane. There's a whole wealth of players who are effectively controlled by the people who control Newcastle. So, Yeah, it's a complex situation because you can completely understand why um, Newcastle's rivals for the top four might think, well, you know, in, in the situation that we're currently in where one of their best players is, is unavailable for a long period of time, they could quite easily bring someone in from, from one of their, their sister clubs, as it were, and use that to kind of turbocharge a push for the top four. But we're just in this strange situation where you've got clubs that are linked with so many others. So the City Football Group, for example, I think there are eight or nine clubs in total. So 20 years ago, this was not a problem. It was something that nobody thought about. But the way that football just keeps getting more complex means that what is the right solution to that problem? Because it just seems, obviously, Chelsea and Strasbourg, more and more teams are doing this. So... It feels like with this ban, all they're doing is kind of kicking the issue down the road and I expect it's going to come up again and again and again. It'll take a transfer, won't it? It'll take Newcastle it's, pulling some yeah, ridiculous I mean, rabbit uh, out of the hat <laughs> in, in January. Well, like, oh, Sadio Mane's back in the Prem, everyone. Hooray, hang on, what? And I'd then people will be up in arms. I mean, at the moment they say that's not going to happen, but I'd liken it to having some really nice cheese in the fridge. You're like, I'm definitely not going to have it. And then right, you know, right on January the 31st, you're like... Just going to get some of that cheese. And it is inevitable, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it really? yeah. yeah. Well, how they need some reinforcements right now. They've got this uh, major, major list of absentees and a huge week coming up. Chelsea on Saturday at St James's, then Paris Saint-Germain on Tuesday, and then next Saturday, Man United. Yeah, I mean, we. you do feel like we are potentially in 
wheels falling off territory. I mean, perhaps that's going a little bit too far. And they did have a very slow start to the season, Newcastle, and then hit a bit of form. But the odds are against them in the Champions League. We really need to go and win against PSG in, in midweek. And then as we saw in that defeat at, at Bournemouth last time out, which followed up that really impressive home win over Arsenal the weekend before, you know, when you are missing... 11 potential first team players that is going to have an impact so yeah really big week for Newcastle they, they were really bad against Bournemouth last time out mm. which angered some of the travelling fans um, a bit mm. harshly I thought but if Chelsea beat them they'll only be one point behind Newcastle and I think Chelsea are the they're the outliers at the moment they're, their numbers are good they look pretty good they obviously did well against City they beat Spurs I mean, Chelsea would be my answer. I mean, I know I'm the man that so they're going to come second, so I would say this. But they, I feel like they are the, the, the team on the move. Ooh. Do you know who's on the move on their training ground? Yeah. Christopher Nkunku. Yeah. He's back training. Apparently they're taking it slow, being cautious after the knee injury that he suffered in the summer. But Where, where would Nkunku come into the team at the moment? Because obviously... Yeah, he's like a second striker, right? And I'd imagine that bringing him into the team yeah, would, have then, to change formation, would then so. impact the amount of the ball that Kyle Palmer gets at the moment. Who's up? Kyle Palmer? <laughs> Kyle Palmer, who's obviously been amazing. Hmm. I'm thinking they'd put him through the middle and have Sterling on the left and Palmer on the right. That's, that's what I'd think. Um, but again, he's you know he is a bit of a curate egg of a footballer in Kunku in that he is simultaneously very prolific but not like a, a classic number nine and has played most of his best football with mm. a, a, a strike partner. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, They've, good news that, that he's that he's getting closer to fitness. As and, is Lavia as well. Yeah, and Sorry. there is that sense that, you know, things are starting to happen at Chelsea and, you know, we saw that in that game against City, the amount of problems they caused City throughout the game. They are clearly moving in, in the right direction um, and, yeah, uh, consequently a tricky prospect for Newcastle. By the way, Tim Leffler, if you're wondering where the expression a curate's egg came from. Weirdly, I looked it up yesterday because I was going to use it. <laughs> well, Matt, Duncan, right, it is Duncan. your time to shine. Well, I only looked up the definition rather than the etymology. All right, what's the definition? I don't even know what The definition, is. actually, so I don't think it applies to Tom's example. Sorry to break that to Tom, because I think what it means is something that's bad, but you say is good and bad to hide the fact that it's bad. Oh, really? So the mm. curate was being polite. The curate was a good minor religious figure mm. um, you wouldn't yeah you're not going to insult the curate's would, egg so you're right. going to say ah it's not bad it's quite good oh, I though. thought it would be the curate who perhaps would be putting a, a light spin on things the phrase it says here this is from Oxford's Oxford Learner Dictionaries it says the phrase comes from a cartoon in the British magazine Punch in 1895 in which a nervous young curate <clears throat> priest is having breakfast with a bishop. The bishop says, I'm afraid you've got a bad egg there. And the curate, not wanting to upset the bishop, replies, Oh, no, my lord, parts of it are excellent. Mm. It, it also is. says, for the final ever issue of Punch, published in 1992, an artist redrew the cartoon with the curate simply saying, This f***ing egg's bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's very 1992. Yeah, the, when, when Punch went Neither lad, Neither football nor curate's eggs began in 1992. No, indeed not. But uh, Punch very much ended. Yes. Yeah, And perhaps rightly so, if that's the, the kind of filth they were putting out. Uh, Sheffield United this weekend are taking on Bournemouth. Bournemouth, who are 16th right now, four points above the drop, but uh, don't have a good record on the road. They haven't won a single game away this season. And the Blades have put a bit of form together of late. It does, so. does feel like quite a big game. Yeah. Um, because obviously Bournemouth have you know picked up a couple of wins in their last few games. Um, and if they win this weekend, and then I think the gap between them and the 
the bottom four with Everton, mm. I think then increases to six. And then you're really starting to see the promoted three clubs and Everton being cut adrift. Right. Luton, one of those sides, they moved out of the relegation zone during the international break because of Everton dropping in. Their clash with Crystal Palace Saturday at three o'clock features what we believe is the first ever visit by Roy Hodgson in his 47 years of managerial career to Kenilworth Road. How about that? That'd be exciting for him. Wait till he finds out how he's got to get into the ground. Eh? <laughs> and I was going to say, a venerable institution, you have to enter through a terraced house and Kenilworth Road. But that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoyed right. it nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Nottingham Forest are up against Brighton. Well, a bit of bad news for... Entering Roy Hodgson in my head now. <laughs> what that would look like. Uh, a bit of bad news for, for Nottingham Forest that I've just seen has popped up, but Steve Cooper's confirmed that um, Taiwo Awonyi aggravated a groin injury and has had surgery and is expected to be out for, I think, three to four months. Ooh. So he's obviously scored some key goals for them Ooh. last season. He's averaging a goal or assist every 123 minutes in the Premier League for Forest. Only Stan Collymore in the Premier League history has got a better record. So. Well, there you go. So I think that's going to be a big miss for them. Bad news for Forest then. Uh, Burnley... Uh, up against West Ham, and then on Monday night, it's Fulham Wolves. Huh. De Rao Jimenez, goal classico. Mm. Yeah, he scored. Rao Jimenez has scored before the international Yeah, it was yeah. his first goal for a while, since March 2020. Neil Mopay also recently ended a V-long goal drought. Mm. wonder what do we, and do I, we know. And I was who, there. Oh, get, a, get a T-shirt. <laughs> um, I, he, do we know who the longest goal drought in... Ever? Like, no, like is... Current. Who's the who's next? The, who's, who's the new Neil Mopé slash role? Just quickly, on Mopé though, have you seen the goal? It's a header from three yards Yeah, out. it's terrible. So until he scores with his feet, I'm still throwing a little bit to. of... Still a moral goal drought. Yeah, exactly. Producer Charlie has just popped his head around to say that Enzo Fernandez is the player who's had the most shots so far this season without mm. scoring. Not quite the Including same, from the but... penalty spot. Ah. Mm. I forgot to say with um, Nottingham Forest Brighton as well that I don't think Brighton have won in the Premier League since the 26th of September. Um, so while they're you know doing amazing things in, in the Europa League and beating Ajax, mm. um, obviously De Zerbi's mentioned it countless times, but they, they do really do seem to struggle with you know that kind of come down from playing in, in Europe for the first time in their history to, to playing in the Premier League. So... Let's see what happens. Mm. And Kaoru Mitoma injury doubt, I think, because he pulled Ooh. out of international duty with Japan in, in the week. But any time any player pulls out Ooh, with an injury doubt, I'm, mm. I mean, there I'm were a lot, There were quite a lot of high-profile withdrawals, weren't there? Yeah. Is that just because there were a lot of dead rubbers? Or, yes! Or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, probably footballers' bodies starting to struggle with the... Just on the Burnley, strength. they're obviously Burnley. in a terrible run. Yep. They've lost every home game they've played this season mm. um, they've lost five in a row in the Premier League right now they haven't lost six top flight games in, in succession since the escalator was invented in the 1890s and I was thinking that at the moment there's only one way they're going and, it, and it's down not up right mm. the escalator was invented in the 1890s yeah. I'd have said much later well yeah. you need where, to, where, where probably was quite a primitive escalator wasn't it just one step well, I'm not, it didn't have LED adverts next to it, but it, it was where, the same principle. Where, where was uh, the first? Uh, in America. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was it called the escalator? Uh, that escalated quickly? Was that the... No, I think it had a name. Right. Okay. But The Travelator or something. No, that was Gladiators. Okay, Gladiator, right. Uh, okay, well, that's, that's one of the many nuggets of information with which you've enriched 
Uh, my morning, Duncan. I thank mm. you for that. And Tom, <laughs> same to you. And Jay, what a broad-ranging chat we've had. In no way a curate's egg of a show. <laughs> I feel bad for having used that. No, but we've all done that. I Without understanding it. Yeah. yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to now scratch that from my personal vocabulary okay. and replace it with another... Hobson's Choice. Oh, is that... I'll tell you the one that gets used loads and really annoys me is people use the word factoid for small bit of information, but factoid actually means a, a fact that's untrue. Does it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How do you work? How, how does that I, work? Don't, I don't know who came up with the idea, but that is the that is the case. I mean, there is a slight philosophical question here in the meaning of a word is, is the meaning that is understood by people who hear it. All right, Shakespeare. But, <laughs> but factoid doesn't seem like a word that Kind of but I couldn't ever respect someone who used the word factoid in the first place, so I'm not sure how much I care about this. Definition, really. an item of unreliable information that is reported and repeated so often that it becomes accepted as a fact. Where's, what's the etymology of that? Um, Listen, you're free to go if you want. <laughs> we, 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 but I just want to wrap this up for my own peace of mind. Oid... Like what's a, what is oid right? like an asteroid? Asteroid, hemorrhoid. They're never hemorrhoids. good, are they? Yeah. So no, the, no, the, the clues were there. What does the roid represent? Asteroid star and what roid? We is can body, thank Norman body. Mailer for the word. He, Norman in, Mailer. Yeah, in his 1973 book Marilyn about Marilyn Monroe, he coined the word. Uh, he explained factoids are facts which have no existence before appearing in a magazine or newspaper creations, which are not so much lies as a product to manipulate emotion in the silent majority. Okay, so the fake news of its of yeah. its day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But I, as I say, the roid. I think you immediately bring to that the, the meaning you Roid associate rage. with that. You've got roid rage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Uh, many, many thanks to Charlie and Rachel and you, listener, and Tim for writing in with that excellent question about Thick and Fast. And we'll be back on Sunday evening to review the games that have already taken place. So do join us for that. Have a great time. In the meanwhile, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.